Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place, the legend of Korra. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we are starting our journey with the legend of Korra. Obviously we were big fans of Avatar The Last Airbender, so Korra seemed like the, the right next show for us to talk about. And what with, um, I would say, the 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 self-help quarantine god seeing us through by having it drop on Netflix, but it's not that. It's it's that uh, Netflix went, oh, oh okay. Ha, huh, okay. When, like, Avatar exploded <laughs> their rankings Viacom, were like... how much money can we give you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's... All of the money, please, so that we can have uh, Korra. Um, so, I... I yeah, Noel and I have talked about it. Noel has written about it quite a bit. Um, so, we're big fans of the show, but I'm certainly looking forward, Allison, to your thoughts on the show as a first-time viewer. Uh, you're watching with your partner. I'm watching with my parents. They are immediately on board. They're so oh, on board. I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. So I'm going to first throw it to you, Allison. You knew only that this was a sequel series, so like same world, but later for Avatar, right? Did you know anything else about Korra? Had you you heard anything? Um, I hear the things that I had heard and inferred. Um, I knew that Korra was the Avatar and that she is female. I knew that I mean, I could have assumed, but also knew that there was sexist bullshit out there in the world about the fact that Korra is female. Um, I know there's some sort of queer element to the storytelling, but I don't know what. I know from listening to Noel talk that there is uh, a range of quality and that also it was supposed to be one season and then was many Many Four. seasons? Total. Four. Okay. Um, and uh, I think I knew that we would see at least some old versions of our pals because I, th- I think it was a still of Katara that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what and I And you get Katara in the first episode. Voiced yeah, by Eva Marie Saint, no less. Oh, she does. <laughs> she does. Um that I mean, she is. Yeah, that. It, yeah, what a wonderful moment. I had uh, a real roller coaster of emotions watching this. There's always a feeling, um, whenever there's a new doctor, that you're sort of never going to get used to the new doctor because you got used to the old doctor, but then that doctor you also had to get used to. And the days I remember very vividly, the day I was like. David Tennant, I don't know about this guy, right? <laughs> um, so I feel like I had felt very similarly with with this, and there aren't that many properties I think where you sort of have that feeling, right? Superheroes, um, other situations where someone is sort of inheriting. I guess the end of the West Wing, right? Um, and I just was not ready for there to be a new avatar. But then I loved her so much immediately. And I think the show does a really wise thing in making such a, like a wild stylistic change in terms of the energy. Obviously the visual vocabulary is very similar, although the animation is clearly shifted, but, um, the sort of roaring twenties gangster movie energy, um, where they're doing town mouse and country mouse, but also they're doing like, let's all go to a speakeasy type stuff. Um, And then the sports aspect and all that, it just, there was a lot going on and it was a lot to take in. And then I'd get like, bam, huge statue of Aang. 
Thwabam, somebody mentioned Zuko. Thwabam, this is Toph's daughter? <laughs> Thwapapapuh! Take this and this. Feel these feelings. Feel these feelings. And it was a it was a lot. And then there was hijinks music and Sokka's dead. But there's hijinks music. Like it was just <laughs> I enjoyed it very much. I'm very glad to be back in this universe. But it was a lot to take in. It was very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Oh, but also, I mean, I love a polar bear dog. Um, and I cannot wait to talk about Ubi, Udi, Ugi. Appa Jr. Appa, we're, I'm sure we'll find out. Anyway, I love Naga. Is that her Naga. name? Yes. Naga. Very important with Naga. So there are good, there are good things, but it's a lot. <laughs> um, uh, Marcus says uh, we need to retire uh, the term Mary Sue. Any useful criticism it once had has been lost to sexist bullshit. I concur. Uh, Keena says, I love Cora very much, and I'm also bereft that I can't see my buddies again, and I'm super invested already and also stressed out. Feelings! And new animals! Give me a polar bear dog. Um, yeah, that all seems about right. Uh, Noel, how did this work for you, revisiting it? So one of the things that hit me the hardest was actually hearing the score again. It's so um, pretty. Yeah. It's so pretty, and the um, the piece that's playing that recurs throughout this, particularly this first run of the of the show, but then hits again real hard in the last season, if I remember correctly, is the song that plays as she's taking Naga out for a run um, at the at the um, South Pole or North Pole, whichever one I can't remember. I think it's the South Pole, um, and that's the song that they used for the trailer um for the first season which is a great amazing trailer i encourage everyone to go like seek it out on youtube it's really really good um and it just hits hit me real hard in the feels like we're talking about feels and just hearing that score again and all the built-up associations i have with that particular song um in particular um just made me go oh i'm not gonna get through this (laughs) i'm not gonna get through this season Um, Because this season's really, really good. And there's a lot of stuff in it that I can't wait to discuss. But I was just like, oh, right, I'm remembering everything that happens, and it's a lot. Um, But it's also all really, really good. So I'm very excited to get back on board. I was really keen on revisiting this, like, as soon as possible. Um, So I'm also glad that we're doing this because... This season in particular um, speaks to a number of things that are like going on a little bit um, in contemporary society. And we're going on in contemporary society when this first aired, but it's been heightened to a certain degree. Um, so we can just like start discussing the fact that Republic City seems built to accommodate the police force. And that's weird and terrible um, and all sorts of fun things that we can get into. But um, at the whole, I just remembered how... Really quickly, I just fell in love with Cora. She's so great. And the decision to just do a 180, do someone completely different from Aang, um, from not being a good airbender so much so that she just shouts airbend when she tries to airbend, <laughs> um, to her having like limited interest or engagement with her spiritual side of being the avatar and sees it all as like conflict, re- conflict resolution through violence, which we get an immediate taste of here. Um, I think that there's a lot of really great stuff that they build out from that character that then f- she just slides really nicely into this, modernized world 
of the Republic city, um, the reformed colonies, basically. And how, what does it mean to be the avatar when you have technology? What does it mean to be the avatar when you're not in a hundred year war and cultures are kind of becoming a little bit of a melting pot? Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on here um, that I'm was really engaged with the first time through and I'm really excited to see how I feel about them going forward. Um, just the advent of an actual press alone is great. Um, which leads to my last point before I toss this to you, Kate is if you're watching this on Netflix, you're going to jump to the next episode. They skip it. It sucks. <laughs> Rewind to the beginning of the episode to watch yeah. the really great newsreel March of Time-esque recaps that precede um, the start of the episode because they're delightful. They're all sepia-toned uh, sepia um, and they've got like a, a old-timey newscaster giving you the highlights. And it's all really, really good. And it's really delightful. And it's just an extra 30 seconds of your day, but it's going to be one of the best 30 seconds of your day. Um, <laughs> so I encourage you to rewind when you start an episode so you get to see those even though you just watch the episode it doesn't matter they're very good so do that and enjoy that because it it becomes a thing weirdly is you'll notice you'll notice that it becomes a little bit of a thing as the season goes on um so that's that's how i feel about it kate how did you feel about revisiting these uh, these episodes well quickly is there a way to change a setting on netflix so that it won't skip those previously ons <sighs> maybe on the web web UI, there might be a way to do it. Uh-huh. I know that you can turn off the stupid autoplay trailers now um, for when you're just sitting on something. Um, yeah. They won't just start playing. Um, but I don't know about the recap stuff because they even do that in like their originals, um, which is so weird to me. Um, but there might be. Anyway. I, I was so uh, like disappointed when that happened after the first episode and and we went right into the, and you heard just the very end of this week on caught like this is right at the very end uh, of the thing yeah i could hear it had been clipped i was like oh man old timey newscaster guy um so yes i second what Noel says it really adds to the the tone and the feel of what's happening and they weave that in in an effective way by certainly the end of the season but yeah yeah loop back around to it um yeah. so I one of the best things they do, as far as I'm concerned, in this first episode is, you know, and it's the kind of thing that s- some people will immediately be turned off about and just stop watching. And bye, we don't we don't miss you. I love that Cora's first words are, "I'm the Avatar. You better deal with it." Because yes, it's antagonistic. And yes, it's not maybe as respectful as you want to be to the memory and history and all the things. But also, it's completely in character, and it's ridiculous, and she's a child. Like, and she's got that little child belly that just, yeah. oh, it's so oh, good. It's so good. I love it so much. And, um, like, remembering that this was intended to be the only season, it was going to be a miniseries, having her jump from, like, having some level of ability with, like, base level of ability with three of the the air bending styles, or, sorry, three of the element bendings, um, when she's a child, and then we cut fast forward to, we don't see her master each of them in a reasonable amount of time, which is what's supposed to actually happen, 
uh, Aang, what happened with Aang was a end of the the world type situation exception. But what we skip right over the part where she spends years mastering each element and growing up and having a stable home life and all of that, and jump right to you know where we pick things up with her as a teenager. And I've seen so many idiots. Uh, well, I shouldn't say idiots. I've seen so many people that I strongly disagree with on social media talking about how well Aang's obviously better because he mastered all the elements in like three months, and she took years, and she couldn't even get. It's like, come on, guys. He didn't master them. He just he got he good just enough. Tapped into the Avatar state. He, <laughs> they very clearly say throughout the end of that season that there's absolutely no way that he's going to be able to truly master all of them. And that it's going to take years. And he gets a lot of help. Yeah. What buttholes. Anyways, so they they take that as, like, this, like, rallying point to mask what is just sexism about I just want to point out that she was able to firebend and earthbend before she received any training, which Aang could not do. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And mostly, we can just have all of our fun fictional friends. We don't need to pit them against each other and rank them. Um, But Korra is immediately so endearing, so identifiable, so clear. I always think of friend of the podcast, Caroline Sita, when I think of Korra. Because I remember, um, you know, years ago talking with her, and she was talking about how significant a figure... Um, in her TV development, Belana Torres was on Voyager because she was a female character who was just angry about stuff, and that was okay. She had she had a temper. It was okay for her to be angry. And um, in the United States, growing up as a woman, um, you're socialized strongly to it's not okay to be angry. If you're angry, there's something wrong. You're broken. There's or you're you're just you need to calm down. You're being hysterical, that kind of a thing. And so whenever I see characters that you know, and, and she's talked about in various pieces and on podcasts and stuff, that experience of just having a lot of anger as part of her personality as a young person and not seeing that reflected until she watched Voyager. So when I see this episode, I just think of Caroline every time. It just makes me so happy to think of other kids watching this and identifying so strongly with a a badass female protagonist uh who a badass woman uh or young woman in the in the lead who gets really angry and like destroys 2000 year old uh, um landmark uh like you know gorgeous pieces of art and training equipment uh and just goes oops i'm sorry i get angry guys uh because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and it's a very normal thing in how we depict men and young men in fiction, especially our heroes, uh, look no further than Zuko. And uh, so to see that be, you know, what we're going to, def- how we're going to define as our main kind of starting emotion for Korra is that she seems really like kind and fun and happy. And she also get, can get really frustrated and angry. And having that be where they start us from, I think is great. I agree. Um I love that she also was allowed to fail, you know, pretty spectacularly without it. And that she was allowed to be frustrated about that and that um, and that it wasn't catastrophic and that she didn't assume that there was necessarily something wrong with her. She was just impatient. And I I really loved that element 
element of it. And I thought that it made the student student teacher relationship really dynamic as well. Um, one of the most affecting moments in my watching experience was as a viewer and as a, as Keenan says, um, a people pleaser and a teacher pleaser. Um, I got really tense and frustrated about, uh, her reaction to what she was, uh, what the teaching was happening and her willingness to run around and acknowledge to people that she was the avatar, which seems very dangerous. And like, no, you probably shouldn't do this UFC thing. That seems like that's going to be bad. And I was so worried, but then the sight of her doing it and of, Ang's son watching her do it and take pleasure in it just made me think about how happy it would have made me if Ang had gotten the chance to play a sport as a child. Like mm -hmm. if he had had the like if he had gotten to play games with the other airbenders, I it meant would have meant so much to him and it would have meant so much to me as a person who cares about that character. So watching this avatar get to do that made me think about like ang in the avatar state being like yeah get it Woohoo! um <laughs> it was just i found that very moving and that connection to the past sort of allowed me to have two separate perspectives on this one moment that this young woman was experiencing which is so cool yeah um <laughs> the the sports element is of this is something that i would never have thought of separately and then you watch and you go well of course that makes so much sense um on the calls of couch my mom is an athlete right she's an iron man but she also played sports all it's so, like she's tall so she they're they're like you're gonna be a center on our basketball team and she's like well but i had i don't know how to play it's like you're tall just stand there <laughs> she she played collegiate volleyball at, at uw madison um so like the sports i was like hey Mom's going to dig the sports stuff. Okay, I feel, I'm feeling good about this. And um, and she was very much enjoying that. Well, I mean, I've, I've never been... I enjoy sports, but I'm terrible at them. Uh, so so I enjoy it on a different level. And I can see... It's it's, it's just neat to, to watch her come alive in that, you know, in that setting. And when, especially when you consider her other, you know, like training has all been at the South Pole where she is very special and where she's not around a lot of other people who aren't there to teach her. Um, so, so watching her just be anonymous for a little bit and to be, you know, amongst peers is not an experience that it seems like she's had very often. So it's just really satisfying, especially when you think about she's had years and years and years of very specific training on the, um, the traditional forms of these bending, you know, like fire bending and water bending and earth bending. And so she's ready for something different and new. She's done these forms so many times. She needs invent innovation. And this, and you know, where they end with, you know, with Tenzin with that, where it's like, yeah, maybe this is actually, okay, really good for you. I, I guess I'm on board. Okay. Good. Cause the team. Bye. <laughs> um, is, is, I just think it's really great and it's really thoughtful and it's, Something I would never have imagined. Yeah, it's a way to immediately modernize things a lot, especially a style of martial arts, basically, and to turn it into, um, as Marcus kind of calls it, magic dodgeball, which is a terrific way of describing pro bending. Um, that it it needs something different 
than be firmly rooted to the ground for the earth bending, like as an example, um, because it's like, that's just going to get you knocked off the edge and into the water immediately. Um, so watching the ways in which bending has shifted, particularly within Republic City, um, is something to keep an eye on, but it also means that they can do a lot more like cool acrobatic type stuff um, going forward with everyone as opposed to just a couple of characters depending on their bending preferences. So that's also really fun. Yeah. Well, we, we should talk about some of the other characters because clearly yeah. we're all on board with Korra. How do we feel about Tenzin? Um, one of my favorite moments is definitely Milo. Uh, when she, when Cora storms out and he goes, yeah, you're a terrible teacher, dad. Ah! <laughs> like, I'm a spaz. Uh, he, he's just like, that got many chuckles out of my parents. I have two older brothers, so they remember that age. Uh, also Tenzin, you know, just this experience with Cora is going to make him such a better dad. The fact that he's got two younger daughters who are headed into this age, like it's, it's really good. <laughs> the tiny baby airbenders uh, were among the many things that um, gave me all kinds of feelings because there was only one and now there are more. And they had their gliders and there was a little baby appa or was it an adult appa? And it just um, was very moving to me. I, I just love looking at this adult man and trying to stitch together what he was like as a young person and what Aang and Katara were like as parents and what Sokka was like as an uncle. And that generational aspect of it is so interesting to me. Um, and watching their offspring feels a little bit like looking at a photo of somebody's grandma and try when they're young and trying to piece together the ways in which they look like um, the person that you know in their youth, I, I just thought it was um, really beautifully handled. And I'm excited for a teacher-student relationship that isn't born out of unbelievable urgency. While they obviously do feel urgently about it, it's not, holy crap, let's go travel the world on the back of our pet taxi and find someone who can teach us to teach you to firebend and to do all of these other things that are really important. Um, we need a waterbending teacher. We need this. We need that. So the stability and longevity of that relationship, I'm very interested in. So if um, Tenzin is going to get killed off in the next three episodes, please don't tell me. <laughs> um, we've got some delightful comments here. So I'm going to scooch back up in, in the, the comment section here. Um, we've got, uh, uh, Marcus says, uh, I like that the issues and themes are a little more gray, nuanced, and relevant than what Avatar started at. Um, and Keenan says, and when the Avatar doesn't have to be in hiding, that really changes the, the dynamic. Marcus says, it almost feels like they jumped in right at Bossing Say, that part of Avatar. I'm surprised they had an old-timey camera to capture all the moments of the first episode. Um, I guess there's one good use of watching through Amazon Prime Video. So it sounds like Amazon Prime Video in Canada has the the openings, so... Mark, point point to Marcus and, and another point to Canada. Um, then uh, Keenan says, what is their fuel source for all this electricity? I have infrastructure questions about uh, about the city. Uh, Noel? Oh, they've got you covered. You find out how they generate this power, uh, you will not be surprised. 
Yeah. Um, so Kina says in Korra's character design and movement, I immediately decided she was related to Sokka, and I will hold on to that assess- assessment until I am definitively proven wrong. Um, and uh, Marcus says, I am disappointed but not surprised that Katara and Aang stayed together, but that's more my issue with the very end of Avatar. So, um, yeah, it's like, really? really? Okay, we're just going to, I'm not going to worry about it. We're just going to move on, is <laughs> sort of how I feel about that. <laughs> Um, so, any other thoughts? What about our, our fire ferrets? Mako and Bolin. Uh, so, Mako, obviously named for Mako, um, mm-hmm. the actor who voiced Iroh for um, a good the most of uh, Airbender. Um, yeah, I, I want to hear how Allison feels because I can't talk about either of them really without talking about the rest of the show, which yeah. is my problem with talking about some of this show right now. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, Mako's just a jerk, and Bolin's just so thirsty. Just (laughs) the thirstiest boy. Um, yes, no, I really, my, my, my big thing with them is I really appreciate that scene in which Bolin scrambles to cover for assuming that she's a waterbender because she's dressed as in Southern Water Tribe and then goes, oh, no, I'm an earthbender. No, no. Oh, no, I'm also a waterbender and a firebender. (laughs) She's the avatar. I was rude to the avatar. Both of those things are true. It's just like, (laughs) yes. Um, So she's delightful. Uh, Her interactions with both of them are delightful. Um, But yeah, they're just Mako's a jerk and Bolin's thirsty. Uh, Allison, how did you feel about these two? Uh, it's so funny because I thought that Bolin was a jerk and Mako was thirsty. Not really. Um, <laughs> I mean, I assume that eventually they will win me over. Mm-hmm. I, it, I assume that that is going to happen. But right now, just no, 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 no. Get away. Flit, flit away. I am not. Sorry, I'm gesturing. Um, this is a auditory medium um i just these are two of my least favorite tropes so i'm hoping that we're up for some exploration of that and that it's going to surprise me because um because that's obviously what they did with jet right twice in sort of two different directions which is a great cool thing that happened in the previous series but this like Oh, well, she likes the aloof guy who probably is really sensitive and he's just guarding his heart and he ha- he's got a-, a trauma in his past. And I'm sure he does because everybody in this universe has trauma because everybody in the real world has trauma. But, oh, he's got feelings. He's the Morrissey of the group. And then there's brother who's like, hey, it's me. I'm a nice guy. I'm so nice. Look how nice I am. Which me... So then he the, just... The, he's the Jeremy Jordan of Supergirl, but they're probably not going to make him a villain. And I, I'm not interested in either of those things. I'm very interested in Cora sort of navigating the two boys that everyone meets in high school. Um, <laughs> I mean, I dated both of those boys. Um, so I think a lot of people dated both of those boys. Um, so I'm interested in that aspect of it, but I'm assuming that some additional complexity will be coming down the pipe because otherwise, yeah, no, I was very bored by both of them. 
Um, Keenan says, uh, oh, those boys are trouble. There's going to be hijinks. Mako, I, I assumed, was our sulky emo youth. And Marcus says, so Mako and Bolin are Zuko and Sokka. And Keenan says, I mean, Korra is Sokka, probably. So Korra, bless her heart, isn't exactly intelligent enough to be Sokka. She's, she's good, but... Tactical stuff, not her game. She's not going to draw stick figures in the sub. Yeah, she's she's more of a bull in a china shop type of, you got to deal with it. And that's how she, every problem is a nail and she is a big hammer. So she's like a hybrid of Katara when Katara is in a temper. Yes. And Toph when Toph is in a temper. Yes. And Sokka emotionally. Yes, I think all of that is accurate. Okay, um, great. Which, Love mentioning it. Toph, um, we should talk a little bit about our brief sin with Lynn. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> the only person in the planet not impressed with Korra at all. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I obviously cannot wait for her to come back. I want to know all of the things. But uh, but again, I like I want to ma- I don't know if I've hit this note soundly enough. I'm just having a hard time dealing with anything other than all of the connective tissue between these two shows and the fact that I like had my morning finale feelings and now the characters are back, but some of them are dead and some of them, I don't know if they're dead, but they lived good long lot, but maybe they didn't. I don't know. Like what force were they in each other's lives? How, how well, how, what, how is Cora connected to them? I need to know that for sure. Did Cora get to meet Sokka did court like what and she's southern water tribe so like are they related like I gotta I gotta know these things so I don't remember what the question is (laughs) (laughs) what do you think about Lynn yeah okay so I mean what I think about Lynn is oh my god Toph had at least one child who's now a grown adult and it's and I'm not really capable of much else beyond like then my eyes well up and I have all kinds of feelings it's like what you know what this was like this was that watching these two episodes, it was like watching those reels that people did of the Harry Potter kids growing up in the movies only like times a hundred. It's, it's a, I'm, it's a lot to take in. I promise I'm going to be able to analyze things more adeptly tomorrow. But mm-hmm. for today, I just like what I think of Lynn is that, oh, my God, Lynn is Toph's daughter. And that is where my comprehension stops sure. because I just had too many feelings. Kate, how did you feel about re-seeing um, <laughs> Lynn? You know, we're no, we're both in a tricky spot with this because we know yeah. what's happening. And we know we know a lot of stuff. Uh, that we don't want to say, we don't want to yes. accidentally say. Yeah. So uh, I think that uh, it's a very strong first scene. Uh, you get a really strong sense of the character. Uh, Keenan said in the comments, so many metal benders. And, and Marcus says that also looks like it might be technology instead of bending. And I, I love... All bending. <laughs> yeah, I, but I love that the show is playing with that and really, you know, like they jump us 70 years into the future. Um, and it's like that it still feels like the same world, but that there are these distinct differences going from, you know, at least what seems in Avatar, like Toph inventing metal bending or at least becoming a pioneer in it. And now her daughter is a badass metal bender um, to the point where they 
catch the avatar <laughs> and and her animal. So like, um, with yeah, their blimps. Yeah, with their with, with their, their Gotham Zeppelin, City blimps. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's really neat. Um, and having at least a person who is very strongly not impressed by the avatar is important, and I think it's it's interesting to have this character fill that role and um yeah that's what i'll say about that um we have any other thoughts about aspects of the world uh we have like the rally against bending in the park we have the fact that tenzin tenzin's wife is not a bender and really hoping please let those children seem like a handful she's like please can that woman deserves a break pema deserves a break (laughs) um just i hope for her sake that fourth kid is not an airbender or a bender of any kind. The woman deserves some peace. <laughs> um, so, so Allison, any final thoughts on these episodes? Anything we didn't touch on? In what universe do you think I'm suddenly going to be capable of coherent thought? Okay. Um, I, I thought that they were a, a lively introduction that sometimes seemed to move slightly too fast um it was overwhelming in a way that was largely positive um but which i am not sure i'm equipped to deal with two episodes of a night if it's always at this pace uh i really loved the score i'm very into the voice performances we haven't even really talked about jk simmons have we yeah no Um, but he's so good on this show he is consistently he is and it, it didn't sound like him at all um, it's a really cool voice performance. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to future episodes. But mostly, I just can't deal. I don't know what. I Like, I can't. It's too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we can talk We we can talk about, like, the equalists and everything uh, tomorrow. Because mm-hmm. the next two episodes kind of zero in on them. I will say that I'm very excited because Amon's voiced by Stephen Bloom, who's a terrific uh, voiceover actor. Best known for voicing Spike on Cowboy Bebop. So if you've watched Cowboy Bebop, it's Spike. But we also get Lance Henriksen as the lieutenant, who's the guy who was talking in the green goggles and stuff with the goatee. Um, And Lance Henriksen does some really good work in this season as well. Um, Marcus says, uh, I I was thinking about how in 70 years things changed so much, but then I thought about how much things changed from the mid-19th century to early 20th century, and I'm okay with it. Uh, Keenan says, I'm very, very, very concerned about the conflict between benders and non-benders. It makes a lot of sense to me, but I want everyone to live in harmony, and I realize this is not a reasonable want for a scripted series that needs dramatic conflict, and yet I I, I feel you, Keenan. I I, I hear you on that. Um, So to wrap things up, we're just going to quickly mention that the episodes we're going to talk about for tomorrow are episodes three and four the revel uh, the revelation and the voice in the night uh allison anything or just uh, uh there's gonna be a voice in the night okay and there's gonna be a revelation about the power grid and how the city is getting its power Oh, that's everyone knows how that's happening. It's not a, it's not a thing. We find out, but it's not a thing. Right, I, I know. I was just joking about Keenan's fixation, and maybe, maybe this is only a joke to me because this is the third or fourth time I've heard Keenan ask this specific question <laughs> because <laughs> it came up multiple times when we were watching last night. Um, also, yeah, where is Sokka? Sokka's <laughs> dead. They Sokka's dead. That. Oh, I know, but, uh, but like, but like, what happened? I can't. I I just assume he had a normal lifespan. Oh, wait, for we're someone never going to find out that much meat. Yeah, I mean, uh, like yeah, it's you seventy just, you years can't later. Eat that much meat. 
Yeah. You know, they're like, they're in their, like, Katara's in her uh, mid to late uh, 80s at this point. So yeah, I think I'm allowed my grieving process. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. You've Fair had enough. time to deal with it. It's new I information have. for me. That's true. That's true. Good. I do enjoy the, the, like, just like the psyching of the, um, audience where like the one uh little air baby is like so what happened with zuko's uh mother it's like that's very interesting but it's hey very- grandma 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 <laughs> it's very go good. read the transmedia and comics everyone <laughs> Very, it's very good stuff. Um, well, I am. It seems like everybody's uh, having fun so far, so I'm very excited to start this journey with all y'all. And I am very excited at just how strong the show starts because I remember that I really liked it, but I didn't remember just how strong out of the gate this uh, first season is. And yeah, I'm looking forward, looking forward to what's coming in our discussion tomorrow. No, can I just tease something real quick? Absolutely. I just want everyone to know that we haven't gotten to the cutest animal sidekick of the show yet. There's a cute animal sidekick coming up, and it's very, it's, yeah, it's great. Well, on that note, thank you to Marcus and Keenan for hanging out with us in the Zoom today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Mm-hmm.